Hi and welcome to the Law of Attraction. My name's Laura and I'm a certified life coach, spiritual teacher and a natural intuit with over 20 years of research in psychology and self-improvement. After struggling with my own mental health and overcoming CPTSD and BPD, I've dedicated my life to helping others to transmute their trauma into empowerment. I coach one-on-one, offer monthly healing retreats in Bristol and have online coaching programs. Each week, I'll lead you through a new topic and give you techniques for an array of issues. Hi guys, and welcome back to today's podcast. I wanted to talk to you today about neurodivergency and trauma. Now, the first thing would be helpful to define what neurodivergency actually is. Now, the term neurodivergent describes somebody with a non-typical brain processing and sensory issues. Now, this includes conditions such as autism, ADHD, Asperger's, dyspraxia, dyslexia, and the lesser discussed trauma-based forms of neurodiversity, such as CPTSD and personality disorders. Now, today I'm going to be looking mostly at ADHD, autism, which would include Asperger's, and also trauma-based forms of neurodivergency. Now, many people don't include trauma-based conditions in the category of neurodivergency, but that is being updated slowly. And let me explain why I use the term neurodivergent for these two. When a person has been systematically or repeatedly abused, as anyone with a diagnosis of a CPTSD or personality disorder would tend to have been, as this tends to be the cause of their diagnosis... This condition changes the brain. Now, there's two main areas that are affected within the brain that I would like to note today. One is the prefrontal cortex, which is the front of the brain. It's sort of sit behind your, you know, behind the front of your brain at the top uh, in front of your scalp. Um, And this is the this is responsible for higher order thinking, decision making, attention, impulse inhibition Perspective memory, which is the ability to think about what may happen as a result of your actions in the future. (laughs) So uh, if I go and do this, what might happen? So you can see why this is an issue um, as the frontal cortex, it doesn't get grown until fully, fully grown until about 25. Um, And so you see, you know, teenagers doing things and going, oh, I didn't really think about what might happen. That's the prefrontal cortex. There is also responsible for cognitive flexibility, which is, again, the ability to kind of think about different ideas and be flexible in one's approach to life. Now, the second part of the brain is the amygdala that we're going to talk about today. Now, this is more towards the middle and back part of the brain, um, sort of sitting above the root and towards the back. Um, And the amygdala is part of the limbic uh, system, sorry, system, which is responsible for emotional processing and memory functions too. Now, the amygdala processes emotions with strong positive or negative reactions to stimulus, such as fear, happiness and anger. The amygdala is the big chief that processes something in your life and then goes on to to decide how to trigger the autonomic nervous system, which you'll hear me talk about a lot. 
if you haven't heard of the autonomic nervous system, this is the system that's responsible for turning on either your fight or flight system or your rest and digest. And you can begin to see why these two parts of your brain are really important and why I've brought them up today. Now, with trauma, particularly in childhood, when the brain is still growing, and when I say childhood, this means up to 25 years, which is when the the prefrontal cortex is fully grown. Now, these parts of the brain can become overgrown or undergrown due to the stimulus from the outside world. So trauma causes a larger amygdala and a smaller prefrontal cortex. Now, this means that you're more sensitive to emotions, that you have less impulse control, less attention, issues with decision making, issues with prospective memory, meaning that thinking about the outcome of something that hasn't happened could be difficult. Now, children who have been traumatised have a different brain to typical people, to neurotypical people. And this is why you can classify them as neurodivergent. And so, yes, complex post-traumatic stress disorder and personality disorders are a form of neurodivergency. And I hope I've explained that in a way that you suddenly go, hmm, yes, I can see that. (laughs) Now, trauma and neurodivergency go hand in hand. And my theory is, after working with traumatised individuals and neurodivergence for over 10 years, I have begun to notice the stark similarities between the conditions. And today, I would like to posit my own theory. So you heard it here first. Neurodivergency and traumatised brains are the same damn thing. Now, I would say that most, and I'm not going to die on a hill of absolutes here because there are always exceptions to the rule, but neurodivergent people have been traumatised at some point and that is why they are neurodivergent. And I know a lot of people will be going screaming like, genes, genetics, but I'd like to point towards more epigenetics um, and I'd also like to point towards some studies. So there's studies at the moment linking birth trauma to neurodivergency. So did you know that birth trauma increases the risk of autism by five times? Babies with blood types incompatible with their mothers had nearly four times the risk. And very low weight birth infants or infants weighing less than 3.3 pounds at birth faced a triple risk of being autistic. Birth trauma also saw rates of ADHD increase too, with studies stating no less than 80% of children who live with ADHD or autistic spectrum disorder sustained a birth injury that affected the brain, most commonly during labour or delivery. And so what I would like to suggest is that children with ADHD or autism are made through birth People who have got CPTSD and personality disorders are made through experience. However, they are exactly the same thing and they are caused through trauma. And this is why, well, it's that prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. It's responsible for the processing of stimulus. And when trauma is significant enough, it can change the way that the brain processes information. 
And after working with neurodiverse and traumatised people for such a long time, I can almost go as far to say that ADHD, autism and trauma-based conditions are all the same thing. Seeing the difference between the issues of processing, more from the causes of trauma and the extent. And there's, there doesn't tend to be a huge amount of differences. Now with autism we see these symptoms. Difficulty communicating, repetitive movements and behaviours, difficulty in social situations, trouble with transitions, attachment to unusual interests, this is also known as hyperfocus, difficulty understanding emotions, recurring sleep problems and insufficient impulse control. Let's have a little look at people with ADHD with a symptom of inattentiveness. Now, these main symptoms are having a short attention span and being easily distracted, making careless mistakes, appearing forgetful or losing things, being unable to stick to tasks that are tedious or time-consuming, appearing to be, uh, be unable to listen to or carry out instructions, constantly changing activities or tasks, and having difficulty organising tasks. And with ADHD with hyperactivity, this can look like an inability to sit still, constant fidgeting, being unable to concentrate on tasks, excessive physical movement and excessive talking, being unable to wait their turn, acting without thinking, interrupting conversations and little to no sense of danger and you can begin to see from those lists there that they're pretty much the same thing they've just kind of worded them a little different haven't you haven't they and you can see the symptoms of having an over and underactive amygdala and prefrontal cortex here it's the impulse control issues oversensitivity oversensitivity to emotional stimulus decision making problems attention issues all of the things that i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala are responsible for now, I'm not a neuroscientist and I'm very happy to have somebody come on who is a neuroscientist and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> but I have had a neurodivergent hyperfocus for an array of these topics, as well as being a self-proclaimed genius, I jest, and working in these fields for over 10 years. But the similarities are glaringly obvious and they all really do look like the same condition, bar for a few little nuances that really aren't that much different because they come down to the same problem, sensory processing issues related to the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. And the reason why these things have changed is because of trauma. Now, my theory, in fact, is, and I'm going to stick a huge caveat in here because I am, a, I am an academic. I have done years of higher study. Um, this has not been academically tested. This is not a theory with a research paper, but this is more whimsical overthinking and anecdotal. But I think that they are all trauma based and I think that the similarities outweigh the differences. And questioning, even if they should be perceived as different. I would almost like to recategorize CPTSD, personality disorders, ADHD and ASC or ASD into a single condition, something that we could call trauma-induced neurodivergency and treat these as a single condition with subsect types, which would present slightly differently in the individual. Now, I think that this approach could actually help massively because we, neurodivergent people, because I am one, are a huge part of society. 
Now, of course, I do have an unconscious bias as to how many neurodiverse people there are. As I prominent, predominantly work, <laughs> we tend to kind of attract like, you know, moths to a flame. But uh, I, I do work predominantly with people with who are neurodiverse. And I've spent my life working with um, special education needs people. And so for me, it's like everybody I know. But looking at the statistics, it's about one in seven people, which is more than 15 percent of the UK population is estimated to be neurodiverse and it's as high as 30 to 40 percent of people globally. Now that's a huge number but I think if we reclassify by my judgment you probably see that number overwhelm the neurotypicals which I actually think would be a great thing. Part of the trauma through growing up as a neurodivergent also comes from trying to fit into a neurotypical world. But I don't think we do live in a neurotypical world. I think that we live in a world run by some neurotypicals and mostly elitist psychopaths who've created a doctrine that serves capitalism, society, the upper echelons, rather than people. And most of the social cues that autistic people don't understand are falsities that are created to serve professionalism, something that I would posit was created by capitalism. People with ADHD struggle in a neurotypical world due to the routines and schedules set. And once again, this is probably by capitalism and a post-industrial revolutionist world. These again, these ideas of the nine to five or professionalism, these serve the upper echelons of the society. These don't serve the people. And neurodiverse people are not useless. They are actually very far from it. They are wonderful, creative and highly intelligent people. Their brains just work differently. Even low functioning autistic people have amazing gifts to offer and have genius levels of capabilities once you find out what their savant skills are. And trust me, I've worked with many of these people that probably anybody that hasn't worked with an SEN person would kind of throw to the wayside and think that they were incapable of everything and anything. And again, those are societal standards that we put upon people. So because you can't turn up to work at 9am and work an eight hour shift and do as you're told, does that make you a dysfunctional human being? It only makes you dysfunctional within the parameters that the capitalist post-industrial revolution society says. Now we write off so many people because they don't fit in to the idea of what a human being is supposed to be. But I'm going to go as far to say as that neurodiverse people are humans 2.0 and we are here to change the world. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you've got any questions or queries or things that you'd like answered in the next podcast, you can get in touch via my email, hello at lawofattraction.co.uk. And all of the ways that you can contact me through social media, etc., is down in the show notes. So I look forward to speaking to you soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.